0: You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Tuesday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. It is is Tuesday. Listen, tag a friend, let them know that we're on right now. And we have a powerful word, a powerful word that will transform your life. Now, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about the perspective of faith. It is finished. That is, is one of the most profound revelations that the Spirit of God has given me concerning uh, our relationship with Christ and concerning our inheritance in Christ. This is our second lesson. In lesson one, I, I gave you some introductory Remarks and I want to go back to, to those remarks because I wanted you to know what my goal was. My goal is to either confirm or alter your perspective in regard to your inheritance in Christ. If your perspective as it relates to your inheritance in Christ is correct, I just want to simply confirm it. If your perspective is out of alignment, is incorrect, then I want to assist you in bringing your uh, uh, perspective in alignment with God's as it relates to your inheritance in Christ. We're talking about the perspective of faith, so let's go back and define our terms. The word perspective means your view, means your viewpoint, how you see things. The word finish means to complete a job, to complete a project, to complete an assignment. You're done with it. You're through with it. And then I gave you three power statements, and I'll give them to you again. If God, here's the first statement, if God has already done something about your need, then his responsibility has ended and yours has begun. Second power statement, we cannot receive, you cannot receive New Testament blessings with an Old Testament mindset. And then the third power statement, faith rests in the finished works of God. Faith rests in God's finished work. And in lesson one, we asked a question, what is finished? And I said to you that I had three answers and it would take me three weeks to answer that question. So in week one, we answer the first part of the question. We answer first, gave you the first answer. We said God the Father has finished his work in heaven and in earth. That was powerful. If you did not listen to lesson one, I want you to go back. You can get it on our Facebook page. You can get it on YouTube. But I want you to go back. I want you to listen to lesson one because we want to give you the second answer today. The second answer to what is finished is Jesus, the Son of God, has finished His work of redemption. Now notice that. Jesus, the Son of God, has finished His work of redemption. We see that the Father has finished. Now today, We're going to open up your eyes. You're going to see things you never saw before. And I'm going to walk you through Jesus' life, his ministry, his purpose. And I want to show you from Scripture that Jesus finished his part of the work of redemption. Now, I am going to really slow down today I'm going to give you a lot of scripture, a lot of scripture. The reason I'm going to give you a lot of scripture is because there's a difference between excitement and revelation. In Mark chapter 4, in the parable of the sower, the sower of the farmer sow seed on four different types of soil, and only one type of soil brought forth a harvest. The Bible says the second kind of soil was the stony ground. It says some seed fell on stony ground and it said it had no root. In other words, the seed entered the stony ground. The stony ground was a layer of earth, thin layer on bedrock. And the seed fell into the thin layer of earth, went down, took root, but it hit bedrock, had nowhere to spread its roots. The sun came out and the the harvest withered away. And then Jesus interpreted this stony ground person. He says, there are some individuals who hear the word and they get real excited about it, really emotional. Wasn't that a great sermon? Oh, listen to Pastor Mike. Oh, that sermon blessed me today. But the Bible said they have no root in themselves. They get excited about it, but they have no root. And then the Bible says when affliction, adverse circumstances, and persecution comes, then the person wither away. They don't bring forth the harvest. So I'm going to take it. I'm not going to try to excite you today. I'm not going to try to emotionalize you. No, I'm going to give you scripture after scripture after scripture. And then I want you to go back. I want you to meditate on these scriptures so that you will have a revelation that it is finished that Jesus has finished his work of redemption. So let's let's get started. As a result of the fall, mankind needed to be redeemed. Have you ever watched a movie and they show you the end from the beginning? They show you the end and then they bag back up and started at the beginning? Well, let's look at the end and then we'll go back to the beginning. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 through 19, and I'm gonna read it to you from the New King James Version. 1 Peter 3, 18 through 19. It says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct, received by tradition from your fathers, but redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So from the very beginning, we see that Jesus redeemed mankind, redeemed us through his precious blood. Now that's the end. Now let's back up. Start from the beginning and let's see Jesus in his earthly ministry. So Adam, the representative of the human race, failed, sinned, disobeyed God. Then sin entered into the world, death by sin. So every person is born a sinner. Every person is born into the world, separated from God, disconnected from God no fellowship with God. God sent Jesus to redeem us. The word redeem means to buy back. We were free before Adam sinned. Man was free. Adam was free before he sinned. Then once he sinned, sin entered, death in man lost his authority, came under the subjection of Satan, so man now is in bondage, lost, destined for hell. And God decides, and he turned it to pass, remember? We found that out last week, and he turned it to pass, he chose Jesus to come into the earth. Now watch this. So Jesus came in the earth to finish the work all works of restoring man back to God, connected to God, and to restore man back to his original purpose, and that was rulership. So listen at Jesus. He knew exactly why he was sent in the earth. He knew his purpose. He knew his call. So listen at John 4, 34. This is Jesus in his earthly ministry, New King James Version. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. John 4:34. So Jesus knew that he was sent by the Father in the earth to finish the work of redeeming man. Now listen to what he says in John 5:36 in the New King James Version. But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. So in two witnesses, we see that Jesus was sent to finish the work of redeeming mankind. The Father sent Jesus in the earth, sinless Jesus, Jesus who had never sinned never done anything wrong, was sent to deliver us, to redeem us, to buy us back out of sin, out of bondage, out of Satan's authority, Jesus was sent. Now, destroying Satan's works was a part of the work that the Father gave Jesus to do, destroying Satan's work. Now, listen what the scripture says in 1 John 3, verse 8, the latter part of the verse in the New King James Version. 1 John 3, 8, it says, for this purpose, the son of man, the son of God was manifest, came into the earth. Came into time was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, notice the text says that Jesus' purpose was to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy the works of the devil. Now, it's obvious from what we said that there are two kinds of works in the earth. Jesus was sent to destroy the works of the devil. But Jesus says, I've been sent to do the works of my father. So there's the works of the father and then there's the works of the devil. The works of the father and the works of the devil. Now, let's look at the works of the father. In John 9, verse 4 through 7, again, we'll be reading from the New King James Version. Jesus says, I must work the works of him who sent me. That's the Father. I must work the works of him who sent me. So the Father sent him to work some works. He said, I must work these works while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world I'm the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay of the saliva and he anointed the eyes of the blind man and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated, sent. So Jesus says, I must work the works of him that sent me while this day then after he said, I must work the works of the Father, he spat on the ground, made clay out of the spit, took that clay that he had mixed with that dirt, with he had mixed with spit, he placed it on the eyes of the blind man. Then he told the blind man to go wash it off in the pool of Siloam. Now, whether someone helped him to go there or he just fed, just found his way there, he went to the pool of Siloam, and the Bible says, he came back seeing. He went to that pool blind, and he came back seeing. And Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. Then he made clear the spittle, Anointed the blind man, told him where to go. He went and came back seeing. So we see, healing is the works of the Father. Jesus came to do the works of His Father and healing. But there are other kind of works in the earth. They're the works of the devil. In Luke thirteen, verses eleven and sixteen, there was a woman in the synagogue where Jesus was teaching. The Bible says she had a spirit of infirmity. The Bible says she was bowed over and couldn't no wise lift up herself. For 18 years, can you imagine having a condition where you bowed over, folded like a chair, and couldn't lift your head up? and had to walk bowed over for 18 years. Jesus saw that woman, said to that woman, laid hands on her, said, Woman, you're loose from this infirmity. Immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Then in verse 16, Jesus said that the Satan had bound this woman. Satan had bound this woman. So we see that the works of Satan is sickness, disease, and bondage, bondage. But Jesus came to do the works of the Father, and that's healing and freedom and deliverance. Now, we see Jesus, We're talking about Jesus is finished with his works. We see him doing the works of the Father, destroying the works of the devil. So a part of Jesus' assignment was to destroy the works of the devil wherever he saw it. Now listen to John 17, verse four. This is before the cross. Before the cross, Jesus said to the Father, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. Now listen what he says. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. Now he hadn't gone to the cross yet, but apparently Jesus had finished the works that God had intended for him to do prior to the cross, before the cross. He had done the works of the Father. Now, on the cross, on the cross, Jesus cried out, it is finished. Now, in John 17, verse 14, he says it's finished. But then on the cross, he said it is finished again. Now, watch this. Verse Chapter 19, John 19, 30, it says, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head. He bowed his head and he gave up his spirit, he died. He said, it is finished. What was finished? What was he saying was finished? Now, listen carefully now, and I'm slowing down because you need to understand what's finished. Jesus finished. Now, listen at this. In the Old Testament, from Genesis all the way to Malachi, before Jesus came in the earth, and then the three and a half years he was in the earth, The Old Covenant was in force. The New Covenant didn't come in until after Jesus paid the price on the cross. But before the cross, from Genesis through up until the time before Jesus went to the cross was the Old Testament. Jesus was the antitype of the Old Testament sacrificial system. Now, let me back up. I want you to understand that. After Adam sinned, remember what God did? Remember what Adam did? Adam, remember, hid himself amongst the leaves, put on leaves, clothes, built, created them some clothes to cover their nakedness. And then when God Approached him, he asked them, Well, who told you you were naked? And and they began to give all these excuses, but God knew they had sinned and they were trying to cover their sins with fig leaves, something that they did. God took off them fig leaves, remember? He took off them fig leaves. He killed an animal, took the skin of the animals, and made clothes for Adam and Eve. This was the institution of the animal sacrificial system. Now watch this. So after Adam fall fell and all through the law, God had instituted a system whereby animals were killed, sacrificed to stand in the place of the sins of men because the Bible says where there is sin, there can't be any remission, any covering of that sin until blood was shed, a life was given, a life had to be given if Sin, the wages of sin is death. So God came up with a system before Jesus now that when men sinned, they had to sacrifice animals. The animal's blood was sacrificed, and that blood was actually poured out in the tabernacle on the mercy seat. And that God looked down on that blood And in his heart and mind, man's sins were covered. Not done away with, covered. And so God could relate to men because the sin was dealt with. So there was a sacrificial system of animal sacrifice. Now, those animals that were sacrificed had to be without blemish. You find that in Genesis and and Exodus chapter 12. A lamb was sacrificed, had to have no blemish. That lamb that was sacrificed was a type, a symbol that foreshadowed Jesus the Christ. Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice, but God allowed men to sacrifice animals to cover their sin, not do away with it, just cover their sins so that he could relate to them and so that he could bless them, and sin wasn't blocking him from blessing Israel. Got it? But Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the sacrifice that the animals was pointing to. The animals were not the real sacrifice. They were pointing to Jesus. So when Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, Jesus is saying that I am the final sacrifice. And this old covenant, old testament of sacrifice animal sacrifices is over, it's done with, it is through. There will be no more sacrifices because all those animals was pointing to me, Jesus is saying. He said, it is finished. The Old Testament is fulfilled, is concluded, and Jesus' final sacrifice. Now, let's work our way from the cross to the throne. Let's see what happened. What happened? We know that Jesus Christ died on the cross and the scripture says that his soul went to hell. The scripture says that he was raised from the dead. The scripture says he ascended back to the father. The scripture says that he's seated on the right hand of the father. Let's see what happened between the cross and the throne. The cross and the throne. Colossians chapter 2 gives us some insight. Colossians 2 verse 15, verse 14 and 15. Colossians 2, 14 and 15. And we're looking at these texts in the New King James Version. Now notice what it says. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a show of them, made a public spectacle of them, triumphant over them in his death. Now, what is that saying? It says, on the cross, Jesus nailed the handwriting of requirements. That's talking about the law. Okay, we talked about the animal sacrifices, but God gave man, Moses, a law. And God gave Moses the law to Israel knowing they couldn't keep it. Watch this. God gave the law to Israel knowing they couldn't keep it What the law did, it gave them awareness of sin. It gave them awareness that they couldn't live good enough to please God. So the law says you have sin. The law said you can't please God through your efforts. So the law simply showed them their condition. Now, since they knew their condition, they were to look outside of themselves to the animal sacrifices. So the blood of the animal would cover their sin, but the law kept showing them their sin. The the law kept showing them that they were unable to please God. They couldn't please God. The law showed them that they had to look outside of themselves. So when Jesus came, he fulfilled The law lived perfect, and the Bible says he nailed that law to the cross. In other words, he fulfilled the law for us. Now we're no longer under a law, we don't have to go to an animal sacrifice, we look to Jesus' sacrifice. But it also says Jesus did something not only did he deal with the law that was against us, he also dealt with Satan and the demons because Satan took the authority from man that God gave man. And the Bible says he disarmed the principalities and powers in hell after he paid the price of our sin because he had to go to hell because we deserve to go. So he went to hell, paid the price. God raised him from the dead when the price was satisfied. And then he went to Satan and all his demons and he took away their authority. The Bible says he disarmed Satan. He defeated Satan in the pit of hell. He defeated every demon in the pit of hell, right in their domain. He snatched their authority away. Now watch this. Hebrews 2, 14 through 15. Hebrews, we're talking about what he did now from the cross to the throne. What did Jesus do? Hebrews 2 14 and 15 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself share in the same. That simply means that men were human. To save men, Jesus had to become a human, had to become a man. Since a man died, um, since a man sinned, a man had to die. So Jesus took on flesh. And then the Bible says, through death, he went through death, he died, he went through death, so that he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil and release those who through fear of death were their lifetime subject to bondage. So the Bible says, we're talking about what happened between the cross, his dying, and his sitting on the throne. What happened? The Bible says that not only did he disarm Satan, take away Satan's authority that Satan had taken from Adam, but he also went Through death. He died and went through death so that he could destroy the power of death. And Satan had the power of death. He had the power of death. So the Bible says that Jesus went through death so that he could destroy him that had the power of death. So Jesus literally defeated Satan in hell by dying. By dying, he defeated hell, and what Satan saw as failure became victory. He defeated Satan by dying, going through death, taking away Satan's authority. Satan has no authority to defeat you. He has no authority to kill you. Jesus took that away. Now watch this. We know that's true because in Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19, Jesus, after he was resurrected, after he went to hell, after he defeated Satan, after he took away Satan's authority, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Now you go. He said, all authority has been given to me. Now you Go. He took the authority. He embraced all authority. Then he gave the authority to the church, to the believer, to you and I. Now, let's go to the cross. Let's go. Not the cross, but let's go to the throne. Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father. Now, you got to listen. I'm almost finished. You really got to listen. Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father. I want to read two texts I want to read two texts. In Hebrews 1, 3, it says, When he had by himself purged our sins, when he, Jesus, had by himself. He didn't need any help. He did it by himself. When he had purged, that word purge means to cleanse Atonement means to cover. The animal sacrifices covered man's sins. Didn't purge it, didn't clean it, didn't cleanse it. But Jesus purged man's sin, which meant he washed it away. He washed it away. He didn't cover it, he washed it away. Watch this. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down. At the right hand of majesty on high, he sat down. When, after he purged our sins, he sat down. After he purged our sins, he sat down. Now, that's Hebrews 1, 3. Now, you got to listen to Hebrews 10, 11 through 13. Hebrews 10, 11 through 13. You got to listen to this. And I want you to go back please go back and read Hebrews 10, 11 through 13. Now watch this, what it says. It says, and every priest, talking about Old Testament priests, stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. Now, watch this. This is powerful here. Here's a contrast between the Old Testament priests and the Old Covenant, what they were doing. The Bible says under the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, every priest stands ministering daily. And the reason why they stood, they never sat. When they offer sacrifices, the Old Testament priests never sat down They stood the whole time the offering was made. They stood after the offering was made. They never sat sat down, and they did it daily. They were offering sacrifices daily. Now watch this, and they did repeatedly the same sacrifices, the same sacrifices. They kill an animal and offer the same sacrifice. They kill another animal, offer the same sacrifice, and they did daily. And the Bible says it couldn't take away the sin. It would cover it so they had to keep standing, keep offering. Now watch this. Watch this. Hebrews 10, 11 through 13. Watch the contrast. But this man referring to Jesus. Now the Old Testament priest stood offering the same sacrifices, couldn't take away the sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice not many, not daily, one sacrifice after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, man's sins in the past, present, and future all sins. He offered one sacrifice, just one sacrifice. The Old Testament priests offered many sacrifices, daily sacrifices, and the animal sacrifices couldn't take away the sins. But this man, Jesus, after he offered one sacrifice, just one sacrifice for sins, one sacrifice forever. The Bible says he offered one sacrifice for sins forever. One sacrifice for all past, all your past sins, all your present sins, all your future sins. One sacrifice forever. In other words, he don't have to offer any more sacrifices. You don't have to offer any more sacrifices. The Bible says he sat down at the right hand of God And he's waiting until his enemies be made his his footstool. Jesus came in the earth, died on the cross, went to hell, paid out price, was raised from the dead. And on that cross, he offered just one sacrifice for all sins, past, present, and future. Every sin that you committed in your past, every sin you committing right now, every sin you ever commit, he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, which means he don't have to ever do it and again, and miss means he doesn't ask you to sacrifice for sin. He's not asking you to sacrifice because he already did it, and not only did his sins cover his sins, purge, cleanse, wash it away. So when God looks down now, he don't see sin. He don't see sin in your life. He don't see sin in my life. He he offered one sacrifice for sin, so the sin problem has been dealt with. Can we still sin? Absolutely. Should we repent of the sin? Absolutely. Now watch this. God has already re- received the sacrifice for sin, so Jesus sat down. So why did Jesus sat down? Why did he sit down? The Old Testament priests didn't sit down. They stood the whole time. Why? Because they weren't finished. They were not finished. Jesus sat down because he was finished. He finished with that. Now watch this. That literally means His intercessory ministry on our behalf now is not for the payment of our sins. His intercession now, because we're not in the age of Jesus, we're in the age of the Holy Spirit. Jesus finished his work. Now he gives instructions to the Holy Spirit to bring revelation uh, for what he has done. That's what he's doing. And when he intercedes, when we sin, he said, Father, I pray for, I pay for that. He's interceding on our behalf, not for our sins to be paid for. He's interceding to the Father, confirming in his presence, I pay for what they just did, I pay for that. And he's telling the Holy Spirit to reveal to them my sacrifice and that they have mercy available to them. It is a powerful thing. Jesus hath finished the work. But guess what? We got a third answer to what is finished. The Holy, the Apostle Paul was sent, to give revelation through the Spirit of God of what Jesus did in the earth. And we're going to see in our next lesson that the whole, the, the Apostle Paul finished his work. Now, listen, this is some good stuff. This is good stuff. But it's, it, it is something that you have to go back and listen to the Scriptures, meditate the Scriptures, and I'm telling you, you're gonna walk into a freedom you never walked in before. Listen, I'm so glad you spent this time with me. Listen, we're not finished. We got some more to share with you, but it is finished. Listen, I'll see you next time.